Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 402. Welcome, Mr. Geezer Butler. How are you, sir? I'm very fine. Thank you very much, Brandon. How are you? I'm doing well. We were, just spoke briefly off the air, and uh, you know, I mentioned uh, I, I have a newborn. He's six weeks old. I don't know what time it is. I only just know what time it is to interview you. And you said it's like your house now. Do you have a lot of grandkids running around? What's uh, what's going? Yeah, on? Yeah, I got five, five grand. We're all we all came to England for a vacation, and we're all in this big house out in the countryside. And I've got the five grandkids here with me. And the newest one is four months old. Oh. So she, she um, lets everybody know when she's hungry. <laughs> that's uh, that's very true. You know, he hits, uh, my boy hits octaves that some lead singers can't even hit. So, well, congratulations <laughs> <laughs> on being, a, a, you know, a grandpa over and over again. Um, did they call you Grandpa Geezer? What do they call you? Just grandpa. I figured. <laughs> well, congrats on that. And also congratulations on the book, Into the Void from Birth to Black Sabbath and Beyond. And I should, I guess congratulations also on retirement. How does that feel? Um, good. I mean, after after all these uh, book interviews and things, that's it. So I'm free. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because I make a lot of analogies between musicians and athletes. And, you know, because sometimes people, you know, this person doesn't sing or play like they did 30 years ago. But I'm with sports. You have a certain finite time to be able to produce and win. But with a musician, you can keep going. I mean, if you're still able to write, you're still able to play. There's still no desire. You're you're totally cool calling in a career. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still writing stuff, uh, but I've got no plans of making albums or going on tour or anything. Because, uh, I mean, you know, because I, I was in a band, and the re- you have to be have the best, the rest of the band willing to do everything as well. So uh, you know, none of us are young anymore. I mean, Tony's 75. I'm going to be 74 next month. And it's a, it's quite a young man's game, really, you know, touring. I mean, it's okay writing albums and stuff like that. You can do it leisurely in your own time. But going on tour is, uh, takes a lot out of you. So how do you view a band like the Rolling Stones? I mean, how do you look at them? And, and is it just like an anomaly? Like there won't be another band like them? Well, they do it so leisurely. It's, it's, it's almost like not being on the road. You know, they do like these massive stadiums. I saw them in Las Vegas at uh, Allegiant Stadium. And Mick Jagger was like a 14-year-old kid. He was incredible. Mm. And, uh, you know, if you can do it, then great, do it. But, um, I mean, they do like one gig a week, I think, in these massive stadiums. And they've got their own plane and everything like that. So they take it easy and do it. Leisurely. Okay. This is a, a fan question, I guess, because you go from birth to Black Sabbath. It's not all just about Black Sabbath. Uh, this is from Connie Patton from Greece. Wants to know, when was the last time anyone called you Terrence? 
Um, Terence, uh, probably when I got on the plane in America. Oh, and okay. they said, can we, uh, what's your name, you know, look at your passports. Are you Terence Butler? Mm. Well, you mentioned it, it was in the book as well, and I got a lot of questions about this, and I'll give it a, uh, this credit to, to Alex on, on Facebook. Because you mentioned in, you know, your last band, Deadland Ritual, with, with Matt Sorum, that that was going to launch, but then didn't because there was some sort of fallout between Frankie Perez, the singer, and, and, and Matt, and that kind of halted everything. Was that going to be kind of almost your swan song? Like, what, what really happened with Deadland Ritual? Um, well, that happened. Uh, Matt and the singer fell out, and it was right before we were going to go into the to uh, the studio and record the album. We'd written 12 songs for an album and everything was going fine. And then the pandemic hit and all the studios closed down and that was it. You couldn't leave your house for three months or whatever it was. And um, so we were all restricted to our various homes everywhere and nothing ever came of it. And that's when I started writing the book instead. Ah, well, I guess something good came out of it um do you think we'll ever see those songs that you wrote come out maybe in in the future i think matt's gonna do one or two on his uh his, his new album that should be out sometime this year oh okay uh so is he gonna do that under the kings of chaos i believe because i made that's right. okay yeah that's right yeah awesome because yeah. i had him on not too long ago um yeah, with i was I was with I was in um, Steve Stevens' studio, and we both did uh, a song for uh, Matt. Oh, very cool! I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm, that means, yeah, I know what you mean by retiring, not doing the full time gig. But I'm glad that we're still going to get some geezer here and and, and there. Uh, what else are you writing then, other other than the, this book, which is now done? What what else are you working on? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm looking forward to doing absolutely nothing. Wow, that's that's a life well lived. You know, is that when you sat down to do the book? Is it was it kind of like that? Like, oh, I can't wait to finish this and just kind of just sit back and finally relax, or was it uh, difficult? to write the book and kind of relive a lot of this stuff. Were you looking forward to finishing your, your chapters, so to speak? Or? It was good uh, therapy for me, you know, getting it all out there. And a lot of it couldn't be written about because uh, for uh, legal reasons, according to the publishers. So uh, that might come out in some form or other, whether I'll have to do it as a fiction book or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's like, oh, as soon as I finish something, I always say, that's it, I'm not going to do anything else. And then like, Two months later, I can't wait to get into something else. So I'm, I'm sure in a two or three months' time, I'll be thinking about something else to do. Okay, okay, I, I, I like that. And but I also, you know, you well deserved. You deserve your, you know, the gold watch and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, when you you mentioned therapy, and I talk about that because I've, you know, I've gone to therapy for twelve years, and I, you know, I, I take that very seriously. Like, what was very there, what was the most therapeutic for you to write down? What was either you were the most anxious to write and be like, I can't wait to get this out? Or were you kind of like, you know what, uh, I'm kind of or hesitant to be like, I'm going to relive this. This is going to be really difficult, but I got to do it. This is part of my story. Um, I think putting in, in the book when my second child was born with uh, and he was given like three days to live. 
Mm. And getting that out, you know, out of me once and for all, because I'd never spoken to anybody about it. Uh, just writing about it and being thankful that he came through it all and uh, just reliving those times and having something at the end of it that turned out well. Wow. Yeah, I can't even imagine. This was my, my first child, and that was so much of my worry was just everyone's congratulating you when you're pregnant and the beginning. I'm like, I just need him to be healthy. I just want to have him here and be healthy. So I'm glad that you did, and uh, and you, you, your family was able to get through it. That's, uh, that's incredible. Um, you... Because obviously you're with the book and there's all these headlines out about everything you're talking about. Uh, you mentioned how you're not talking too much with Ozzy lately because of the wives. That's one of the big uh, headlines. You know, it's 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 interesting. I always found as just like a fan, Sharon Osbourne is an interesting character. Uh, you know, like my my mom and my wife are fans of her because she's on TV, and I always got a kick out of her. But I never worked with her. Is there a can you maybe pick one word to describe Sharon Osbourne? Um, well, it's the same. It's like with every family, you know, we've fallen out loads of times over the past 50 years. You know, you fall out for a year or two and then you get together. And um, I don't see any of the, the rest of the band. It's just like the people have picked up on Sharon part of it because uh, mm. everybody knows who Sharon is. So, you know, that's... If I'd have put Bill's wife in there, nobody would have said anything about it, or Tony's wife. But because everybody knows who Sharon is, that seemed to pick up on that. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Uh, as somebody who does interviews, uh, it's certain names and bands are just very uh, clickable, even though that's not it doesn't really give you the Absolutely. full con- context of of everything. Um, yeah, I mean, because mm-hmm. the band was such a sh- close band anyway. You know, you you have these fallouts and you beat each other up and whatever over the years you don't talk to each other for two or three years and then you get back together as if nothing's ever happened hmm. do you uh, what do you think about ozzy you know still he's going to be out there doing it you know i i, I saw bb king 86 go out in a wheelchair you know it was a great show i say you know perform until you don't want to perform anymore you know it is but you're retiring do you look at ozzy being like you know what right off into the sunset or I know it's not for you to say, but how do you feel about Ozzy still trying to, you know, go out there and not the best of health, though? It's entirely up to him. Um, you know, good good luck to him. If it, well, He's desperate to go out and do one more tour. And uh, good luck to him, whichever way he can do it. You know, it's he wants to do it. So it's entirely up to him. Sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I didn't expect any other answer. Absolutely. Uh, I have another fan question from you. This is from Dirk from Germany. A little bit more specific and a little bit more fun, I guess. Um, when Black Sabbath played the Cal Jam Festival in 1974, they were tripping on acid, at least according to Ozzy. Uh, if so, he would like to know how uh, it, it felt to be tripping in front of uh, 240,000 people. <laughs> it wasn't tripping. It was cocaine. Uh-huh. We, had to, we got in this because of... Uh, he couldn't get into the, the place because there's hundreds of thousands of cars parked outside uh, the place where it was held at. So the only way that the bands could get in was from helicopter. So you, the helicopter would land at your hotel, pick you up and take you to the show. And in each helicopter was like an ounce of cocaine for each band. So 
by the time we got to the stage, we were all whizzing. <laughs> whizzing. <laughs> I love that. It's such a miracle. And because you sound so great that you're all still alive. I hate to say it like that, but that you, you all survived and you're all uh, icons in the in the industry. Uh, you may have noticed, and I know I only have you here for, uh, you know, three more minutes, uh, that the name of this podcast is, uh, that's on iHeartRadio and Q1043.com is Appetite for Distortion. We use a, it's a play of Appetite for Destruction, of course. It's a Guns N' Roses theme. And I found it funny in your book that when you did your band, GZR, there was a lot of confusion with GNR, and you were getting Guns N' Roses fan mail. <laughs> so I'm curious if you actually opened any of that mail. Uh, probably, yeah, probably a couple. And it was like, dear Axel. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized what was going on. So, you know, I mean, GZ, nobody knew who GZR was or GZR. And so they automatically thought it was Guns N' Roses. Oh, that's a trip. That's a trip. Uh, and I got to ask, because obviously you guys kind of were the forefathers of of heavy metal and, and GNR were they did change the game in their time. What you thought about Appetite for Destruction uh, from your viewpoint? I thought it was a great album. I really did. I thought that, you know, it was really refreshing at the time instead of all the hair metal stuff that was going on. And uh, something they actually liked to listen to came out, which is Guns N' Roses. They were really good. Are you still friendly with Slash? Because, you know, it was a few years ago before the Sabbath reunion when uh, you were going out on tour with Ozzy and Friends. You you wrote about that as well in the book, and Slash was a part of that. Um, are you still friends with, you know, because it happens a lot nowadays. Like, hey, contribute to this song, and you, know what, you don't even have to leave your house. You could be there surrounded by your grandkids, and you know that. Just lay down a bass line. So I'm just curious if you're still friendly with Slash, and you never know yeah, what, what music can come out of it. Uh, well, I mean, I don't see him or email him every day or anything like that, but, you know, I'm not unfriendly with him. That's a good answer. That works. <laughs> uh, well, how do you look back at your career now? Is there anything that you feel like any rock left unturned? Is there anything? I know you said you're retired. You just want to kick up your feet. But was there anything you kind of look back on and be like, you know what? Maybe I wish I had another kick at the bucket at this. I think if we'd have uh, paid more attention to the business side of things in the band in the, the early 70s, we'd have, uh, we wouldn't have been so screwed up towards the end of the 70s. I think that was a shame that uh, a lot of the things why the band, the original lineup didn't last to the end of the 70s was because of the finances and stuff. I always hate hearing that, just like a band of brothers that has to, you know, it's the business that takes uh, takes over. Well, Geezer, this was a pleasure. If that second book ever does come out, the fiction book, I would love to be able to speak with you again. Thank you so much for your time. It was a, a real privilege and honor. Oh, thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. You got it. I'm torn. Like, I hope Geezer enjoys retirement and enjoys his grandkids, enjoys his life. But at the same time, this guy has just gifted us so much great music and experiences that you hope that there's still more left. So we'll see. We'll absolutely see. And... You know, it's interesting about, you know, not being able to put things in the book because of lawsuits and whatever. And that was always a concern of mine when I was doing Doug Goldstein's book. And he's like, oh, well, he didn't sign an NDA. Uh, um, well, I guess we'll, we'll never know. 
But what I did with Vicki Hamilton the other day, where I read an excerpt of Doug's never-to-be-published book to her, I'll probably do that sporadically from here and there, because not only was I kind of screwed over, I think you fans were as well. Because, I mean, think about it. I mean, we're hearing from Geezer the, the stories that we've always wanted to hear, and same thing with Guns N' Roses. We, we, there's so many stories still to uncover, and that's what's great about this band. You know, they make it hard to find out the stories. I think that's part of the allure. But at the same time, you know, that's what's what makes us thirsty for it. That's what makes us want it. So I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going trying to get uh, uncover whatever six degrees of, of GNR bacon we can get. And with, with that in mind, I, I can't believe uh, this was, I think, May 23rd was officially the uh, seven-year anniversary of Appetite for Distortion. I've been doing this podcast for seven years. I, that doesn't sound real to me. You know, I, I there's a lot of stuff that doesn't sound real to me. Like, I'm going to be 40 in September. I have a, a newborn um, so baby brownstone not going to be a co-host for these new uh, these shorter interviews I can't deal with the baby and uh, do a quick uh, 10 or 15 minute interview I don't think that would be very uh, wise of me and, and by the way if any of you I got one comment on on YouTube but it ended well about you know why don't you schedule these interviews when you're not holding him it's unprofessional I had to explain that it's a choice I wanted to hold him. I want to hold him. You know, it gave off a good vibe with Tommy Stinson, who joked about it at the beginning that he would leave his kids home when going to work. And it was a good vibe with, with Vicki Hamilton. Um, it's all about the vibe. And, and if Harrison, baby Brownstone, decides to throw up or shit on me during the interview, then it's comedy. <laughs> and I can always edit because these are, these are taped. These are not live uh, podcasts. So I'm just curious your your point of view. Uh, th- those two episodes, uh, 400 and 401, because it had been a break. Uh, this is my first time being able to talk to you one on one since that long ass break that I did nearly two months, which has been which was the longest break of these seven years. And but I, I always mention the conversation continues in between the broadcasts on social media. So I never was away and talking to all of you. But uh, I was itching to get back. <laughs> and it's going to be like this. If I'm not holding him, he's going to be in the other room crying. So uh, it just it is what it is. And I think it just adds to the, the atmosphere of uh, ap- Appetite for Distortion. But I wanted to read some comments from you that when I posted about how it's been seven years. Because it's just it's meant so much to me. Because it wouldn't be, yeah, I'm getting opportunities to interview Geezer and Tommy Stinson and and Vicky Hamilton and coming up, we got Steve Turner from Mudhoney, uh, Stephen Piercy from Rat is coming back on the podcast. A lot of cool things and just been so fortunate to have interviewed some of my heroes. But the main reason I've been able to keep going and to have a platform at all is you. You are helping me do it. If there were first five people listening, I don't know if I would do these interviews. Like who would hear them? 
but you hear them. So uh, I'll, I'll read this. I'm going down the line here on Facebook. Uh, Josh Johnson says, congratulations on the accomplishments, fellow gunner. You have a totally awesome podcast, bro. I definitely appreciate what you do and your initiative to get all the awesome guests involved. Long live Guns N' Roses. Thank you, Josh. Uh, this is from uh, Iona. I hope I'm pronouncing your, your name right. You comment a lot. I believe you're, uh, she's from Greece. Look at this. Two uh, Greece mentions. I've... That's what's crazy. I got fans from Greece, Australia, Spain, you know, all over this this world just from doing a podcast. Uh, congratulations, Brando. It was an amazing, quote, silly idea. That's my words. I thought this was a silly. You've heard me say that before. I thought this was a silly idea when Scotto first brought this to me. I wish you get to 4,000 episodes and further. You never know. Uh, this is from Leslie Anderson Brett. Uh, I'm so glad I found you and your podcast, Brando. It's really cheered me up at times. Love to hear all the stories about GNR. Cheers to you for all your hard work and dedication. May there be many more. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, this is from Phil Johnston. It's a boss podcast, mate. Here's to the next 400 plus episodes. Thank you, Cindy Saber or Sauber Waller. Congratulations, Brando. Glad you had a quote. Silly idea. Keep up the amazing work. Uh, this is from Jonathan Holm. My absolute favorite podcast since I discovered it. Dude, seriously, I listen every day. And when I finish the backlog, I will probably start over. That blows my mind. That really does when people say that they've listened to every episode and they've re-listened. That's just bananas to me. Because it's not like... <laughs> Like, I've been in a, in a real kick of re-watching shows that I haven't watched in a long time. Uh, I'm in the middle of, actually, I'm towards the end of re-watching The Walking Dead. That's one thing to watch The Walking Dead, the binge watch that. But to binge these podcasts, incredible. Uh, James Nesmith, uh, congratulations, Brando. Amazing job that you do. Iza, BC, congratulations on the milestone. Too many more. Uh, we got uh, a Graham, another Graham. We are grateful and uh, glad you did, Brando. This is that's from Graham uh, Busan. Uh, forgive me, I am terrible at names. Joe Sharock, thank you for doing what you do for us GNR fanatics. Uh, ben uh, Ken Kenny Solomon, here's to many more. And uh, Devin William, been waiting for this one for a long time, and he was uh, talking about the Tommy Stimson episode because I I had thanked everybody before i posted that tommy episode so just again thank you to every single one of you and i'm going to speak to a lot of you this summer as we do another guns N' roses tour around the world they're back they are back and it makes it an exciting time to do this podcast again this podcast started right before the reunion leading up to the reunion to continue this Guns N' Roses podcast when they don't seemingly offer you a lot, right? It's, uh, you know, we finally get absurd, but fans, some fans are upset because it's a, quote, older song. Same thing with Hard School. It's an older song, but just reworked. Just want to slip in there that a lot of bands do that, but we're not all aware of that, that they have old songs that they redo. To me, a song is, is a song. It doesn't matter when it's written. As long it's it's out there, you know. If it's good, you can connect to the lyrics somehow. You have fun listening to it. I don't think it really matters uh, when it comes out. But I'm gonna want to do, and I'm gonna do more fan reviews. So if you are going to a show and you want to do a review on the podcast, just hit me up, 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, email, and let me know what show you were going to. And you know, we can try to set something up with or without Baby Brownstone. We'll, we'll see how, how that happens. Uh, let me give a shout out to uh, Nigga to do the, um, oh, what show are they going to do? Hyde Park. Hyde Park. Uh, this is, uh, I got a message from Dell, who has a Guns N' Roses podcast. <laughs> I love it because whether it's, you know, me, they're called Double Talking Guns with two of his friends. Uh, whether it's, you know, Guns in Radio, whether it's uh, Nothing Lasts Forever, the November Rain podcast, we all do something very different, even though it's all about the same band. So it's more the more the merrier. It's fine. So they're going to do the, the Hyde Park episode. So please send me a message. And also I posted the other day, and thank you again to Rebel Hippie, uh, another loyal listener who... I didn't even ask. He went to the show in Madrid and sent me a bunch of videos, wrote out an entire review, and I posted it. Uh, And he didn't even ask me to post it. I said, like, this is really, I I enjoy this review. You DM'd me on Facebook. Uh, Can I post it? He's like, yeah, that's why I did it. (laughs) And by their reactions, you loved his review. You really did. It got a lot of you excited to buy tickets and to go to shows. And I posted a video of Axel hitting that. He, well, it's his video, Rebel's video of Axel hitting that note. And there was a time. Oh, man. So we're going to talk about this. I'm going to do a shotgun news on the on uh, the episode with Steve Turner from Munhoney about the set list changes. Yeah, after, I guess, seven years of this reunion, we're getting major set list changes. Pretty tied up, bad obsession. There was a time, prostitute down on the farm. Wow, I am really excited to see them in uh, in New Jersey in August. Really, really excited and excited to hear from you. So again, you want to talk about the podcast, uh, excuse me, you want to talk about the show that you went to, uh, hit me up. Or if you just want to write a review and send me videos or pictures, I could post them. I am your vessel for Guns N' Roses. That sounded weirder than I wanted it to be. Anyway, that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Again, coming up uh, soon, I'm not sure when I'm going to post them, Steve Turner, guitarist from Mud Honey. Uh, Rat. We got Stephen Piercy coming back to the podcast and working on some other things, trying to get uh, John Five. We'll see when it happens. Obviously, he's very busy with Motley Crue. <laughs> They're quite busy nowadays, but I've been told I'm on the short list for when he uh, for when he is ready to do to do interviews. Oh, and I will say this before I forget, just to show you throughout the seven years that I'm still dealing with shit. Uh, I would I put out a interview request for Extreme, either Gary Sharon or Nuno Betancourt. I was denied because I'm a Guns N' Roses podcast. Because that makes sense. Because Guns N' Roses fans won't be Extreme fans. Idiots. And I've seen lesser podcasts uh, interview them. So I, I don't. Managements are dumb. Some managements are really dumb. And and. and the dumbest might be uh, Buck Sherry's new management. I was offered to interview Josh Todd for a third time. I didn't ask. I was offered, hey, do you want to interview Josh Todd? Yeah, sure. 
you know, I kind of got his Guns N' Roses stories already, but whatever. He's he's awesome. I'm a Buck Sherry fan. Their management canceled it because I'm a Guns N' Roses podcast. Hey, schmucko. He's been on the podcast twice already. And it's gotten like positive reviews each time. He has like a good time. So just stupid, 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 stupid. So uh, this is, the, again, the, the shit I have to battle through. But all of you, uh, so much more than the names I've mentioned today, are making it worthwhile and help me battle through all the, the bullshit. Anyway, that does it for this episode. So when are you going to see the next one? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know as soon as the word, but you'll see it. No! Fuck it! No! Yeah! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home. <laughs>